Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Hi, but I'm just going to go, we're going to go straight into the scripture. We're starting a, a series called I Have a Dream. And, and I hope there's people in here with some hope, enough hope to dream and have some ideas about what you would like to do with your life and where you would, where you would like to go with it. And I think this is such an important subject because it really, it, it often points to what drives you. It often points to what makes you get up in the morning, it often points to, to really who you think you are or, or whose you are and, and, and how deep your life truly goes. And so we're going to go straight in to the scriptures right now. Um, can I ask Ian, come here a wee second. Um, I forgot something. Um, cheers, Ian. Put our hands together for Ian. See, I can trust Ian with the secrets. I wasn't sure about the guys in the front row, but I knew Ian with a secret. Go get me this something. Um, and so we're going to go straight in um, to the message here. We're going to go straight into Scripture, uh, and we're going to talk about a guy called Joseph. And some of you have heard of them, of this guy jo- Joseph. Some of you haven't, and that's fine. And Joseph was basically a son in a family which was completely and utterly dysfunctional. Don't put your hands up. Anybody think they're in a dysfunctional family? Don't put your hands up. <laughs> and if you don't think you are, it still may be dysfunctional. But guess where the problem may lie? It mightn't lie with other people. I want to let you in on a secret. The problem actually might be you. You might be the dysfunctional person in your family and and, uh, and so watch this here. It says in, in Genesis 37, just, you can put your eyes to the screen or if you've got a Bible, you can open it up at verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, so only a, a young cub, as we would say, was tending the flocks with his brothers. He was just working. And the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zelpah, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but who cares? Let's move on. His father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them. See, one thing I've realized is that I hate hearing bad reports. Some of us here, we love to give bad reports and, uh, because the scenario or the situation we find ourselves in is just bad. And, and I get that, but this, this next verse. Now, Israel, Israel is, was just another word for Jacob, for those of you that are wondering uh, why we're talking about our location. It's, it, we're talking about Jacob now. Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age. And he made an ornate robe or coat for him when his brothers saw that, the, um, that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him. Come on, has anybody in here been jealous of a, a brother or sister? Just a little bit jealous. No? I remember my, my brother got a scooter when he was 16. It was brand new, straight from the Honda garage on the Armagh Road. £2,000. All I got was a pair of Adidas Predators. £100, you know, that's nothing, that's nothing in comparison. And, and part of me was thinking, I can't wait till I get the £2,000 prize money when I get 16 and it never came. And then I see my sisters get married and they're getting thousands spent for this beautiful wedding. I'm still waiting to cash in. But I understand it could so easily happen where you get mad. It's not fair, as we would say. Loved him more than any other. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream then. 
So he got this coat, then he had a dream. And, and when, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, this dream that I had, we were binding sheaves of corn out in the fields. It's just about corn. It's like a picture, an idea that he's, he's been given from God. And, and when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down. So he's basically saying to his brothers, you're going to bow down to me. His brother said, do you, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. Like you're just digging a hole, Joseph. We already hate you because you got the coat. Now you've got a dream after the coat and you're telling us we're going to bow down to you in the future. And it continues. Because of this dream, what he, what he had said, then he had another dream. So it didn't just get better, it got worse. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. What is wrong with Joseph? Has he not got the point? I, I, we, we don't like you, Joseph. Why are you, keeping, why are you continuing to fuel the fire? I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you dress. I don't like your new outfit. Some of you are looking at your friends tonight and you're saying that in your head right now. I don't like your new outfit. What are you doing? I can't go out with you tonight. Don't look to your left or your right. <laughs> he says, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. So he just went one further. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And some of us know what happened after that was they threw him in a pit. Talk about dysfunction. Listen, I don't care how dysfunctional your family is. <laughs> it's not dysfunctional enough for God not to use you. It's not messed up enough for God not to work through your weakness. It's not, it just, it's impossible. Joseph, listen, Joseph's father, Jacob, was actually, the name Jacob means deceiver. Remember, he sold his birth, he tried to get his birthright to deceive his father, he was blind. He was a deceiver. He was born into dysfunction. But God gave him a dream. And listen, Ian, if you could bring me that secret of that jacket. This is one of our jackets. Oh, these are really sweet jackets. Of just one color, but, you know, same idea. And, and, and so if you're, if you're wearing this jacket, oh, it's pretty good sweaty. If you're wearing this jacket, it means a few things, especially if you're in the car park. It means that you have been given the authority to park cars. You have been given the authority. You're on, you belong somewhere if you're wearing this jacket. You belong to the usher team if this is on your, on your, on your upper body. And what it also means is you've got the ability and you've been given the license to park cars, to, to actually put things into place when you wore the coat. You see, when, when Joseph was given the coat, it was sending a signal that, hey, there's something in you that God wants to do. There's something that God wants to do, not just in you, but also through you. But it started with a dream. See, when the coat comes on, it tells other people that you were chosen for an assignment. God has got an assignment for each and every person in this room. And I, I've got news for you as I try to take this off. Sorry, Ian. 
And I've got news for you because a lot of us think we, we look at these Bible stories and we just think, oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that nice? Joseph this, Joseph that. But, but I, I, I've got news for you that there's actually a coat for you too. The dream wasn't just for Joseph, it was for you too. So turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a coat for you too. There's a coat for you too. <laughs> so, that's my, so that's my first point. God has got a coat for you too. I don't care how dysfunctional your life is right now. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many times you haven't attended church or haven't prayed the way you think you should have. I don't care how many times um, you've, you've messed up and hurt people and said the wrong thing. There's a coat for you too. There's a coat for you too. And so tonight I want to look at, as we start this series, is I want to look to the coat and the symbolism of what happens when we put a coat on. There's three kind of things I want to look at tonight about when we put our coat on, three things should happen. And so I love this, that number one, the favor of the Father's love. Now watch this, this is so, so important. That's why I love what Chelsea said earlier. So often we think we have to earn God's love. We, we have to do something in order to become but actually we are, therefore we act like it. That's the gospel, that's the good news. It's not on, on necessarily our performance because God knows if we can get our heart, everything else will shift. And so let's look to, to what happened with Joseph. Joseph's in a family, just a, a dysfunctional family like every other one. Uh, it's not perfect and, and, and the father isn't perfect and the mother isn't perfect and the kids aren't perfect and they're sinners like the rest. And so what then happened was his father, for some reason, was kind of probably unwise, but he chose Joseph and gave him this robe of many colors. He set him apart. He, he gave him favor. And after what happened, as soon as Joseph got, it wasn't before, after he got the jacket, after he got the coat, then he dreamed. It wasn't, he didn't dream before the coat, he dreamed after. That's important. Because the message that was relayed to Joseph is that, Joseph, you have favor from your father. Joseph, you are chosen, singled out, set apart from everyone else by your father. And for, for, for whatever reason, whatever that done to Joseph, it ignited, it released, it began a new journey where he began to dream. Two dreams which would change the whole path, not, not just of his own life, but, but, but the course of his family's life, and they would be blessed. If we parallel, see, see, Joseph is actually a parallel to Jesus in the New Testament. He's actually a type of, a type and shadow of Jesus. If you find in, in the Old Testament, everything is a parallel or a type and shadow of what Jesus was going to do. It's all prophetically pointing towards Jesus. What happened to Jesus before he started to fulfill his dream, fulfill his mission that God had given him, his assignment, his part of putting things into place? Remember what happened? From the sky, he heard a voice, says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, the Father, is saying, you have favor. My hand is upon you. I've chosen you for such a time as this. There's a piece of the puzzle I need you to cover. In the same way, Joseph 
had, in his time, in his nation, he had to fulfill his dream to, to, to fill in a piece of the puzzle to play his part in humanity coming back to God. The same way a car park attendant, someone, one of our ushers has to put the cars back into place. It's a part of the puzzle of somebody coming to experience God in worship, in word. We got to get them parked. We got to get people parked first before they come in. It's a part of the puzzle. God has got a part for you to play in his kingdom. But the first thing you must understand, the first thing you must realize is you've got favor. As soon as you receive Jesus as your Lord, he already loved you. He's just waiting on you to accept him. And as soon as you do that, I'm telling you, dreams will come. But they won't be the, the dreams that you had before of a better car. And I know there's some nice cars in the car park tonight. And if you want to donate it, it's all, it's all good. And we appreciate those things, and those things are nice, and houses and all those kind of things, but that's not, if that's your dream, it's not a God dream. I'm sorry. That's not a dream that God would give you. It's a natural thing. It's cool. It's nice, but it's, but it, it can't, it's not a foundational dream that God would give you. And we'll talk about that in a second. So the favor of the Father's love, you know, we live not too far away from Craig Avon here, and one of the biggest problems within Craig Avon uh, is there's so much dysfunction in the family unit. There's so many missing pieces in the family unit. God is not in the mix in those situations. And actually, guess what's happened? They've looked into it and they've realized that the reason, one of the core common factors is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. So it seems that the father's voice in a human being's life is completely and utterly important. If that piece is missing, it can screw everything up. That's why it's so important for parents to speak life, mother or father, to speak life over their kids. To call them out and say, listen, I give you favor whether you perform well or not. I love you whether you're a good musician or you're, you do well at school or not. It's a choice. It's not a performance. And actually what happens once often kids have that, then they go and do well anyhow. They fulfill their dreams. They do exactly what was in there in the first place. It releases the dream to life. And so Jesus and Joseph heard both those messages and it changed the course of not just their life, but the life of people around them. Now, here's the problem with the two different types of dreams. Often a natural dream is, is a dream that it either probably gives you more power, gives you more power, gives you more possession, more resource, but it's about you. Maybe you want more followers. Well, who's that about? And I'm going to let you into a secret here. You know the reason that we all, me included, and this can happen within church environments too, the reason why we chase dreams like that or maybe a position or maybe on a stage, or the reason we chase that is because we're broken on the inside. There's a hole that, that isn't complete. And what we're trying to do subconsciously is we're going to try and fill the hole. We're dreaming up dreams which even of maybe relationships or, or, or I don't know, a job. But, but really what's going on is we're trying to fill the hole of I don't feel complete. I don't really feel chosen or favored or loved right now. And that's why I'm chasing for position. That's why I'm chasing it's, it's the natural dream. 
And that's why when, when you receive, I have actually a friend and he struggled for years, just, he actually, he was very open with me and he told me how he was bullied as a kid in his park and he didn't choose it, it just happened for whatever reason. And sometimes these things go down family lines because there's been a brokenness over the generations and, and he just followed the trait of his father or his mother and if they're worried about something, he's worried about something, so he ended up getting bullied and, and that then came into his primary school years and then followed into his teen years and, and all of a sudden he, he ended up quite intense in some ways and and started to push people away that he wanted to get close to and started to dream. Probably he started looking for maybe relationships with people who weren't suited to him. Why? Because there was a broken piece on the inside. And, and actually, you know what changed his life within a year or two? He grasped that God loved him. Like he, he had all kinds of anxiety in his chest in social situations, social anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And, and, honestly, and it, honestly, it annoyed me at times, if I'm honest. It's like, mate, calm down. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I didn't understand. And he said the one thing that changed him, he's a different man today, was that he actually realized and, and accepted that God loved him. He says, as soon as I got that, Phil, everything began to shift. And, and within a year, I would say, or 18 months, he, he was in a relationship. And within about two years, he was, he was married. <laughs> Go figure. Why? Because he realized... Father God loved him. Work that one out. It doesn't seem that it doesn't seem that complex, really, does it? And I, what I love about God is that He's not just defensive, but He's also offensive. So when He gives us dreams and tells us that He loves us, He doesn't just leave us there. He says, "Listen, no matter what happens or who comes, if demons come to try and destroy you, if people come to try and take you out, nothing can separate you from the love of God." nothing. No man, no person, no situation, no circumstance. So that means if you can get your core right and you understand God loves you, nothing can separate you from that love. But also God's on the offensive, which means he doesn't want us just going around life playing it safe, staying put. He wants us to take ground. He wants us to move forward. If we're anxious, attack the anxiety in whatever form that looks like. If you're scared of praying out loud, work on praying out loud. And what, what, what do you mean? I mean? The Bible says that we're not just called to be conquerors, but more than conquerors. Well, what's the difference? The difference is that a conqueror wins one war or wins one battle and stops. That's me done. I'm, I can't go back. But actually, when, you, when you, you're more than a conqueror, you're like, right, I've conquered. I've got a dream. And in order for me to get the dream, it's way bigger than me. It, I don't think I can do it right now, but I trust God. He's a good father. He loves me. And so, but right now, the problem is with my dream is I'm afraid of praying out loud. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start practicing, even though I feel anxious, I'm going to start practicing at home, praying out loud. And then I'm going to start praying out loud in pre-service before and, and, and take a risk and take a chance. But why? Because I'm a conqueror. I'm offensive. I'm not going to just sit still and let, let, let this thing overcome me and stop me from doing what God has called me to do. I'll be honest, I just started going to counseling again there recently because there's some things in my life that, that, that I get a wee bit anxious about. And you know what? I, I, I'm a conqueror. I'm not just going to sit still and, and, and wish I could do this and wish I could go here. But, but I'm going to go seek out ways to conquer. And so I'm going to go to counseling. And so I want to give you the license to do the same. Because I, God has called me to be offensive, to move forward, to, to pursue dreams, not to sit back and just wish and be hopeful. No, no, God, God's dreams will come to pass, but he also has called me to take the charge. 
He's also called me to run on the front line of my race. He's also called me to be the umpire of what I decide to believe. Not, not the labels that the national health care gives you. That's not, that's not who you are. That's, a, that's a, a symptom maybe, but it's not who you are. Don't let those things define you. You can sit there the rest of your life and, and do that, but what's it, gonna, what's it gonna do? No offense to the NHS workers in here, we love you. Another thing I love about when God talks about dreams and, and purpose and, 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 and making a difference is that when God uh, gives you a yoke, you know what a yoke? A yoke is something that used to go around bulls' necks that, that would help guide them. And so, so yoke really, what it means is, the yoke is what? Is it hard? No, with God it's easy. Why is it easy? Because the fit, the way it's been designed, it's a perfect fit. It's a custom-made fit. When God gives you a dream, when God gave Joseph a dream, it was custom-made. He had everything in him to do what God had called him to do. He had already got the dream. He had already got the coat. Jesus had everything in him that he needed to fulfill the role that God had called him to fill. It was a custom role. It was easy. If God has called you to lead worship, sorry, I use this example all the time. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's going to be easy. You might have to work at certain things, absolutely, but, but it's going to give you the ability to sing. So, so some of you feel like, I want to be the next da-da-da. If you can't sing, I'm sorry. Soz. But the truth will give you freedom to move on into what you are called to. Can I get an amen? The yoke is easy. God has got a custom-made dream just for you. And let, let me say this, often, often dreams have to die. Because if you look at the central theme of, of the scriptures, it's resurrection. And you can't have resurrection without death. And so some things, some relationships, some friendships might have died, but listen, to experience resurrection power, there's only one way. It's, it's, it's post, it's after death. God can resurrect you and then what happens is, listen, if you're a human being in here, there's a part of you that's dysfunctional, it's called sin. We all have it, it's okay. But you know what that means? It means often we grip on the things, we hold on to things that we never should too long and they die. Situations, jobs, people, relationships, money. We hold on to them way too long and what happens is they just die. But God's way, is, God's way of life is surrender. See, when you know God's love, you will dream. It's not a question of if or trying. This is what often I would do when I'm thinking if someone was telling me about dreams, I would be trying to, how do I do it? How do I figure this out? How do I articulate it? How do I create the dream? That's not the way it works. You don't create the dream. You surrender and allow the dream to make a way. You make a way, you clear the path. And guess who's in the road of the path? You, me. We get in our own way for God to access our heart, to access our mind. And we block him because we're trying to do it our way. Number two, the next thing that happens when you put on a coat is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now let me read a little scripture here in Acts 2. And this is where the Bible talks about when the early church was birthed, the Holy Spirit came. 
And so this is what, the, the, what it says here. It says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So it's kind of parallel as if the church is nearly a bit like the bar. What's going on? Like, as if like, they're partying, as if they're full of something. So that's why I think church should be a bit of a party at times. Not in a weird way, but in a way where we're kind of we're confident. This is what I love to see when the church attends. When maybe you're with your church and you attend a wedding party and you just dominate the, the dance floor. I, I, I've seen that time and time again. You know, but you know what I believe? Why? Because people of that whole, they don't need anything else to feel loved, to feel confident. Confidence rises up. You don't care what people think. Especially when a community like that comes together, it's, it's, it's special. So these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this is, I love the Bible and how you just can't make this stuff up. If anyone's doubting in here, listen, go read the book of Isaiah. There's multiple prophecies about Jesus coming to earth. It's like you just can't, like seven, six, seven hundred years prior. It's, it's ri- ridiculous. Here's Joel speaking here. The same thing, even in the Psalms with David. They're speaking of Jesus coming to the earth, the piece, the, the piece of the puzzle that was spoke of way before. You can't, the odds of that happening are, are ridiculous. Billions to one. I made that up, by the way, but I don't know if that's factual, but sounds about right. So in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. That kind of messes me if you believe that only women should speak in the church. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, what? Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, that means to speak, to see visions, to see dreams. That's, that, what? Absolutely. I will show wonders in heaven and above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peace of the puzzle. Jesus came to fill the hole, to fill the void, to make a way, to complete you so you can actually have a God dream rather than just your own dream that'll just keep you busy for a life but it'll do nothing for anyone else. See, the difference between a God dream and our our natural dreams is that God dream is always about people. So if you've got a dream and and it could even be in church and it's really just about you being in in a position or or maybe just a job or a business or whatever, it's not a God dream until it's about helping others. And actually they say that the some of the best businesses on the planet today, funny enough. Uh, the best business leaders are servant leaders. Oh, that sounds familiar. A servant leader, where did that come from? They serve, they, their attitude isn't just to lord over, to serve their people. The best business cultures have those cultures within them, but also some of the best businesses that we say, it, it's more than a business, it's got a purpose to help humanity. They're the ones that succeed often the most and, 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 and they honor people the most. That, that it works because when you love people, <laughs> God can work through that. You know, I was, when I was 17, um, I remember I was part of a church and I was just 
I don't, I don't know why. I, I was mostly into sport and things like that. And all of a sudden, at 16, 17, I started to just experience God probably for my first time. It wasn't just a theory. It was a, something in my heart. And something came alive. And, and uh, I started to, to dream a bit. And I remember seeing this picture, just randomly, a random picture out of nowhere. And I was in a hall, and it was like, I didn't know whether it was a DJ set or if it was a church. I kind of sensed it was a church, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I remember leaning at the back wall, just kind of against the, the back wall, talking to a guy, Johnny Walker. And 16, 17, it really meant not much to me. I just like, that's, that's, it's, it felt good. It, it, I sensed it was like a church service, but it looked more like, a, like this. Um, and there's about seven years after that, I remember leaning up against the wall at the back of a, a hall in Craig Avon. We were doing church, and, and Johnny Walker was just standing there in front of me, and a moment just came, bang, that's it. Seven years on, this random thought that I had came straight back to me seven years on. <laughs> it was as if God spoke to me about the future. Listen, God, God's dreams... God wants to let you in on what he wants you to do. He's not trying to keep it a secret. That's the whole point of a dream. But let me tell you, this prophecy is only in part. So if you have any of your crazy friends that are going around telling people that you're meant to be married to this person or this is the right person for you, tell them to go, go in, do one. Because God never tells you the whole story when he gives you in part. If anyone's trying to, because I'll be honest, I've made that mistake, not in relationships, but in, in maybe a personal area of my life, and I thought I knew what was going to happen. And you know what it was? I was probably 50% right, but it was pride. I actually felt good about myself that I knew what God was going to do. And guess what happened? He didn't. And I had to reassess what I had just said and what I believed, and I realized I had to repent and say I, I was wrong. And so, and I went back to the scripture and realized, no way, the scripture says that you prophesy in part. And so I think that's just really important uh, for practicalities, right? We're going to finish with this. Three things the Holy Spirit does. Number one, enlightenment. It enlightens you. It, it opens your eyes to things that you didn't see before. It says in John 16 and 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come, prophecy. He will give you a sense of what's going to happen. Now, it's usually a picture just like Joseph had. It's usually an idea, a sense, but it's never in full. Joseph probably never understood that until he got there. He's like, whoa, that's what the sheaves meant. That's what the corn meant. It was symbolic of... He didn't actually see the actual picture. He just seen that there was going to be a bowing. He was representing he was going to be overseeing, he was going to be leadership over, but he didn't see the full picture. Enlightenment, and secondly, empowerment. Everyone say empowerment. Oh, come on. <laughs> Seriously. Is it warm in here? Do we need those fans up a wee bit more? Everyone say empowerment. That's better. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you because dreams can scare you. If it's truly a God dream, it's bigger than anything that you can do on your natural ability. That's a God dream. You can't, like, we started this church, I can't change anybody's heart. Only God can. But we can create a space. 
And then number three, encouragement. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is the most encouraging person that you'll ever meet? The most encouraging person you will ever meet. Think about it. Jesus had a task which was obviously too big for him in a lot of ways by himself. So what did he do right before he went to the cross? He said, I'm struggling here. My flesh is weak. He went to the Holy Spirit in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed out. Lord, basically what he was saying, Lord, help me, encourage me to say yes to this cup. I wish it would pass, but give me courage because my flesh wants to run. I don't want, part of his flesh was weak. And see, living the life that God's called you to live isn't about never feeling feelings of doubt, never feeling feelings of wanting to run away, never feeling feelings of fear. It's not about, it's about being in partnership with the Holy Spirit and knowing that, God, I need you. I can't, I can't get to be without you. I can't see this come to pass unless you're with me. And so we partner with the Holy Spirit. What's the Bible said? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. God, God, I just pray right now. I thank you that you love me. I'm just going to spend some time with you right now this morning as I wake up because I'm feeling there's something not right in my subconscious. I'm just going to realign my subconscious right now and I'm going to pray out loud, God, I thank you that you love me. That, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I'm strong because the joy of the Lord is in me. God, I thank you that you bring peace to any storm. <clears throat> no matter what it looks like on the outside, God, I thank you that, God, you give me peace on the inside. I'm just going to realign myself right now. I partner with you, Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, try that. Try that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.